0: In session with Dr. Fadi
1: Holakwi. Good afternoon, and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Holakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadid Holakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in: three one zero four four one. 0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes again. The studio number three one zero four four one zero five five five. Before I begin, another big thanks to Ali Afshar who joined me Monday night to talk about his movie American Wrestler, The Wizard, um, which is about his own life coming to the United States from Iran and also his family's life, and uh, it is now available on DVD and also many digital options such as iTunes, Amazon, and On Demand through your cable provider. So check that out if you haven't already and support that great film. But again, thank you to Ali for joining me Monday night on the show. And because of that, today I'll talk about the book of the week because I had a guest Monday night, which I'll do in a second, but also wanted to first announce the book for this week that I'll talk about next week, which is Iron John by Robert Bly. Iron John, a book about men by Robert Bly. So it's The title has a book about men, but it's not just for men. I hope everyone will check it out and read it. It's an interesting book. Uh, Basically, it has much more of a poetic or has more of a storytelling feel to it. And It's a story of Iron John, which is kind of like a fairy story or a fairy tale. But through that, he talks about men and their development and some things that maybe we're not aware of that men need to be going through or need to uh, experience in order to reach True Manhood. I've read it once before and started it again. It's a really interesting book, a little different from some of the other what you can call self help type of books, but um, definitely has a lot of important messages inside of it. So I hope you will join me in reading that. And then, related to that, because next Monday is Memorial Day or this coming Monday, I won't have a live broadcast. So I'll talk about this book on Wednesday's show. But let's get to the book for this past week which was a classic in psychology and self-help literature that is I'm Okay, You're Okay by Thomas A. Harris. I'm Okay, You're Okay. And I love the title itself, although it does sound a little cheesy. Uh, as I was carrying the book around this past week and I'd be in an elevator, sometimes I can see people look at the, the title of the book and maybe have a smirk or you know, have their own expression to it because it sounds a little bit like a cheesy book. We might say, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all good and Kumbaya, which does sound nice, but it is also true, and it is where we want to get to. Now, um, I'll talk about what he discusses in this book, but I did want to just mention about that title why I do like it. When we talk about self-esteem, a lot of times people think if I have so much self-esteem, I should see myself as a king or a queen, or that everything I do is amazing, and I never make mistakes, and I'm no matter what happens, I'm good, and all these things people should give me this type of attention. But that's not what true self-esteem looks like. That's actually more of a a fake or inauthentic self-esteem, a compensation for actually not really believing and loving ourselves, that we try to get this type of excessive praise. And actually what I'll talk to about in this book is that that's probably coming more from our child, which I'll describe later. But I'm okay, you're okay is actually where we want to be. That I'm okay as I am, and you're okay. So we're both good and okay And that makes every interaction and every transaction much more comfortable and easy. I don't think I'm bad, so if I show you who I am, that's bad. And I don't think you're bad, that you're going to have very bad intentions or that you have some qualities that are going to be very bad for me to see or experience. Does that mean there's never conflict? Absolutely not. We can still have conflict. And actually, when you're coming from an I'm okay place, you're more likely to embrace conflict in the sense that you will be very open and direct. You're going to be more assertive. So you might even recognize that you'll have more smaller conflicts, but you'll actually be more true to yourself and true to the people you're interacting with and create better relationships because of that. So I'm okay, you're okay. That's the place we want to be. And I'll get to what he describes as the four positions in a few minutes. But first, this book is Thomas A. Harris's book on transactional analysis, which was developed by Eric Byrne, who Dr. Harris studied under. So transactional analysis is basically looking at how each interaction, or what they call transactions that people have between one another, analyzing those, looking at a few different characteristics. So what they explain is that we each have three places that we can come from, or three basically modes of existence a parent, an adult, and a child, and each of us has these three things. It doesn't mean you have to be a parent to be have a parent, or that you have to have kids to be a parent, or that you have to be young to have a child. We all have these three things. So what are they? So the parent, this is basically what we recorded from ages essentially zero to five from observing our own parents about things like shoulds and shouldn'ts. Um, Prejudices are taught in this time period or are stored in the adult, or sorry, in the parent. Um, It's basically that part of us that is judgmental and has the rules of the world and how things should operate. This is our parent. And so even a kid can talk as a parent, say, you shouldn't have done that, or "You, you should be this way or shouldn't be that way. That's being the parent. The child, on the other hand, has recorded everything in an emotional way from zero to five. But also within the child is this feeling of being not okay because the child being very small and incapable of doing many things looks to his or her parents and sees they're almost six feet tall and they can do everything. They're so strong, I'm not strong. And that's why we all start from this not okay child and usually have a I'm not okay, you're okay mindset. But the child has this more emotional side of things, the the weakness, the feeling that maybe I'm not good enough and I can't handle things, which we all felt at some point as a child. But even as adults, we can feel that way or tap into that way of being. Now, both the parent and child, although they seem to have a negative uh, way of describing them, even as I describe them, aren't all bad. Of course, we do need to have some idea of order and rules and how things could be and shouldn't be, and that could inform us at some level. And on the other hand, what's very important is our child actually is the center of our creativity, our vitality, our energy, tapping into who we really are. If you want to, for example, be a great artist, you have to be able to tap into your child to get that energy, that creativity without the limits of the parent telling you you can't or you shouldn't, music should sound this way, or a painting should look this way. That's not going to allow you to actually do your art. And art is not just about painting and music and anything you can do. There is some level of art that you bring into it that is important to have. So if you don't tap into your child, you won't be able to do that. So they're not all bad. But that brings us to the adult. And the adult basically takes in information from the parent, from the child, can recognize that the parent data is not necessarily all true, and could recognize that even the way you feel coming from the child is not all true, and then also relate to reality and the external world, and then come to the best conclusions about how to think, feel, and act. In essence, the adult is like a computer that takes in all the information and then responds to the world in appropriate ways. And that's why actually we most often want to operate from our adult, That's the most mature part of ourselves, and that's the part that, again, takes in the emotional and the rational together and can make the best decisions of how we can act. And he even describes it in the book as a computer, and it's constantly taking in all the data and responding to the world. Although he doesn't use that word, it reminds me of um, Stephen Covey in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where he says, we don't want to react, we want to respond. And when we're reacting, we're probably coming from our child or our parent. But when we respond, that's our adult taking in the information, looking at our options and making the best decision and responding to our world and the people around us. Now, looking at the Iranian culture, I would say definitely what we unfortunately have is too strong of a parent, meaning we have lots of shoulds and shouldn'ts and judgmentalness about how you're supposed to be and not supposed to be. Our parents loom very large and they take up a lot of space in our psyche and how we uh, interact with ourselves and our world. And because of that, we very often don't allow our child to come through as much as it needs to be, to really see who we are, what we want to do, what we're feeling, how we want to experience the world. I was actually talking to a psychologist, Dr. Helen Ma, who was just visiting the radio station yesterday. And we're talking about how when people hear the word inner child, whether it's one of my father's seminars or I've heard it in other places, when you hear that word in the Iranian community, people really react strongly and they get excited. And I think that's because so many of us have such a repressed or suppressed inner child that we get excited at that notion of maybe having a little bit of that child come out. Oh, I'm going to go to a seminar and tap into that and express that. That's really exciting. And that gets us excited. I've even seen it when my father talks about the different topics, when he mentions inner child, the reaction people have is different because we have so many judgments on how people are supposed to be that we've learned from our own parents and culture of what we're supposed to be and also what we're definitely not supposed to be. And as a result, most of us cut off our child because it's too risky to allow ourselves to just see what's there, who are we, what would I want to do to enjoy myself or even as a career if I had no limitations or there were no judgments, what would I want to even do in this moment But no, I can't really do that because I'm at a dinner party and you're supposed to act a certain way and be a certain way and or else if I don't, I'm going to bring shame upon my family. So let me not even think about what I want to do and just do what I'm quote unquote supposed to do. So in our culture, I definitely think our parent is way too big and we have to reduce that within ourselves, but even in the way that we parent our child, our children, and deal with ourselves. Because I think far too often we don't allow ourselves and the members of our community to be themselves because we're so judgmental about how they're supposed to be and not supposed to be. We don't give them that space to actually figure out who they are and to be themselves. So if you also look at any interaction you're having, you can pay attention to, well, how are we communicating? Is it parent to child? Is it adult to adult? What's going on? And he explains that, and that's part of what where the word transactional analysis comes is to look at these transactions, interactions between two people to see where they're coming from. And the most productive conversations and interactions are when we're adult to adult, when I'm not coming at you in a judgmental way or an overly um, childlike emotional way, and you are doing the same and we're respecting each other and we can have a conversation. And just because you have a child doesn't mean you can't try to talk to their adult. Unfortunately, most parents think That really the way they're supposed to parent is to come from that parent side of themselves. You shouldn't, you should, you have to listen to what I'm saying. I know what's right. You are wrong. Listen to me because I'm bigger and smarter and stronger than you. Rather than that, we can actually talk to our children in a way where we respect them and give them the space to understand what we're talking about. Not just tell them a rule is a rule, but explain to them the reason why I can't have you run in the street is because it's dangerous. Some cars are going by, they might not see you. So that's why we're always going to play in this area. Not, you better not ever go there or I'm going to hit you. That's coming from the parent in a punitive way and judgmental way and saying, you have to just listen to me. But you can actually communicate with your children in an adult way, from the adult. And they respond much better when you do that. I see it in my office when I work with families, or just in general, if you see it in public. When you come at a child or a teen from that parent mindset, of like you should and shouldn't and listen to what I have to say, they almost always check out and don't really even listen to what you're saying. And they're definitely not engaged. You don't have a back and forth. But if you actually try to explain to them why you think what you think, or want them to do something or not do something and want to hear their opinion, then you can engage them and it's gonna be far more meaningful of a conversation. And of course the, tr- the the same is true for even marriages. You can talk to your husband or your wife as a parent, tell them you shouldn't, or you always do this, or you're so bad at this, or whatever it might be. Or you can have an adult to adult conversation where you want to actually communicate with them what you're thinking and feeling and hear what they have to say as well. So that the book does a great job of explaining that how we can actually approach life and recognize what we're doing when we're communicating with other people and how many times we're not actually coming from a fully informed space we're either just coming from a place where it's just these rules and guidelines or we're coming from a childlike place just full of emotions and feelings of not being okay neither of which will be very productive now after the break i'll talk a bit about the different positions we can have and ultimately how we want to arrive at the i'm okay you're okay position i'm talking about the book i'm okay you're okay by thomas harris if you'd like to call in of course about the book or any other questions you can call at 310-441 Zero five five five. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Continuing the discussion on I'm OK. You're okay. Before I get into the life uh, positions that we can choose, which the last one is I'm okay, you're okay. Um, Thomas Harris also discusses many other things, including games, which comes from uh, Dr. Eric Burns' book, Games People Play, which was one of the first books on transactional analysis as far as I am aware, but recognizing that many times when we're communicating with each other, interacting with each other, we're not having a genuinely intimate conversation. We're playing some type of a game. Um, For example, two people get together and they just start complaining about kids these days, for example. Oh, you know, kids these days, they're so bad, so irresponsible. And the other one says, yeah, I know they don't. Uh, You know They don't care about things like we used to care about, and all they care about is themselves. And they go back and forth in this interaction, both of which, if you are recognizing, are coming from their parent, this judgmental uh, standpoint, but not really looking at what's going on in reality, just communicating to each other in a way that plays a game. You might even recognize sometimes you get hooked into a game. Maybe someone says, teens these days, they're so bad. And you don't even think it's so, but because you don't want to go against what the person is saying and have a confrontation or conflict, you just go along with it and you play their game, so to speak. So a lot of transactional analysis talks about these games that people play, which are never direct communications, essentially. So it's not the healthiest form of communicating, but that we all play at time to time. Um, and another thing is talking about the different types of interactions. Games are one of them, but things they talk about like rituals, pastimes and things of that sort, but then most of us avoid genuine intimate conversation where it doesn't have a certain ritual about it necessarily. We can have rituals in an intimate relationship, of course, but that we don't actually just interact with each other without any kind of pretenses or, um, let's say having an activity or anything else that we might be doing, and that it's very hard for most people to have these types of very genuine and open conversations and discussions. Even husbands and wives, you'll see they never really have intimate conversations. They'll talk about things that happened and things going on, Uh, They'll watch movies together, they'll do activities together, all of which can be good things, but there's something lacking in the genuine intimacy of having a conversation with each other where they're completely open and vulnerable and just connecting with one another. So most of human interaction, as the book discusses, is not intimate, does not have this level of emotional interaction intimacy which we should be seeking and it is necessary to have the other activities too so of course you can't only engage in intimate communication at all time it's good for a couple let's say to go like i said even watching a movie or do an activity together you need those types of experiences too but you definitely need in order to form a strong bond those genuinely intimate communications and connections so we play games we also don't necessarily communicate in intimate ways. And a lot of that also is going to have to do with the way we experience ourselves and others, these positions or four positions that we can talk about. So as I mentioned before, all of us start life with this feeling of I'm not okay, you're okay which essentially is I'm not okay as this small, weak child who seems like I can't do anything on my own and I'm dependent on my parents to do things who everything seems so much easier to them to do than it is for me. And my parents are okay. And that's a good feeling too, to at least have that they're okay. And unfortunately, this is why children even conclude if their parents aren't very good to them, that they're okay because it's safer to... Um, have this understanding that I'm in a world where my parents can take care of me and they're good rather than to see them as bad. Although sometimes that conclusion can happen in extreme abuse, which I'll talk about. So we all start with this, I'm not okay, you're okay position. And within our child, we have this feeling. And he talks about in the book stroking, and there's physical stroking that we give to a baby, but that also there's a psychological stroking that children need, and even adults need when we haven't gotten enough of it, which we continue to try to get throughout life. And you see people coming from this I'm not okay child very often. If you look at interactions, they want to get some kind of praise or they want to put someone else down to make themselves feel good. But a lot of us are operating from that position. And while I was reading the book last week, I was paying attention to how often people in my surroundings were coming from that place or that I could see their not-okay child. So we all start with, I'm not okay, you're okay, according to Dr. Thomas Harris in this book. Then there's three other positions we can have that I'll go through them one by one. The The next one would be, I'm not okay, you're not okay. And the way Dr. Harris describes this is that if you're in an environment that is fairly cold, where you're not getting a lot of that stroking, and you don't feel very good you still feel like you're not good i'm not okay but you also feel that others are not okay either you don't really have that trust that you can rely on them to get that type of stroking so some people can end up in this position i'm not okay you're not okay the next one which is more rare is i'm okay you're not okay so i'm okay i'm good but you're not Okay, now how would this one develop? Well, this happens in cases of extreme abuse, Uh, physical abuse, not just spanking, but to the point where there is, um, as he describes it, breaking of skin or bones and severe, severe abuse. And basically, what the child starts to learn is that my parents, when my parents are around, these big people around, I get hurt and I feel pain. But when they're gone in those moments, I actually get this relief and I start to almost heal myself or stroke myself in a way to feel better. And so the conclusion is, I'm okay. It's them that are the problem when they're around things are so bad and they're causing so much pain. And so some people adopt this position and mindset. And unfortunately, as he describes it, this is what we would uh, basically calls something like antisocial personality disorder or someone who's a psychopath or a sociopath. They just see themselves as good and anything that benefits them they like and they see all other people as bad. So it starts with your parents, these positions in a lot of ways, but then you conclude it about the world. And that's why someone who um, has antisocial personality disorder has no remorse or guilt if they hurt or even kill someone else and will manipulate and do anything they need to do to get their own needs met, because they forever feel in a way as the victim, or they're the one that is hurt, and they can justify anything they do to someone else or with someone else without a feeling of remorse. So this conclusion, unfortunately, is a very unhealthy one that leads to a life of basically uh, inability to create real relationships, and harming and destructing others, and property or whatever it might be, because there's a total disregard for others. So a very unhealthy position, but it's brought about by severe abuse early in life. Now, where we want to get to, the healthiest position, is I'm okay, you're okay. And this is a harder one to get to. It's not easy to get to, but it is possible. This one really has to be more of an adult position because as he describes it, the first three positions are based on feelings, but the fourth one is based on thought, faith, and the wager of action. So we don't just luckily end up here. It does take using that adult part of ourself to recognize that, yes, I had this not okay feeling as a child, but because I get these feelings of stroking psychologically from my parents and I start to see who I am and what I can do, I start to see that I'm okay as well. So it does take time. It's not easy. And also, although we talk about these as positions, they're not set in stone. So even someone who really mostly operates from the position of I'm okay, you're okay, definitely still can slip back into I'm not okay, you're okay feelings, especially because our child is always going to have that. So it's not something that's black and white, that once you feel this way, you're never going to, to go back to that feeling. And then when we have this, experience or this type of relationship with ourselves and others, because the position is I'm okay and also the world is okay, you're okay. This leads to much better interactions in all domains of life. And even Dr. Harris goes on to talk about even things like international relations. Imagine if countries saw themselves in this way. I'm okay and you're okay. But almost never do we have that type of interaction, especially not with our enemies. Yes, with our allies, we'll we'll see them as okay, just like we're okay. But if you ask how the U.S. feels about some country that they're at war with, of course, they think, I'm okay, you're not okay. You have problems, you are bad, and we are all good and can't do anything wrong. And many times the citizens fall into that same category. So almost every war comes from the position of, I'm okay, you're not okay. And because of that, I can kill you, I can destroy you, or whatever I need to do, because you're not okay, you're evil, you're bad, and I'm okay and good, so of course I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I need to do. So there isn't this feeling of everyone is okay and everyone is fine. And part of that involves that we have to be able to see each other's perspective. If I think that you're okay, then I want to know why you think and feel the way you do and understand that and think that there's some logic behind it, but most people don't do that. Of course, in in a smaller scale, we can also look at marriages. Many couples, if you look at it, they don't have this I'm okay, you're okay feeling, that no matter what, uh, you know, I'm going to be by your side or I accept you as a good person. We almost see them as maybe somehow bad or they're not okay, or we see ourselves as not okay, and because of that, we could sabotage it in different ways. So in the book, he describes um, how learning transactional analysis that we all have a parent adult and child can actually inform us in becoming better parents and becoming better partners and becoming better citizens in the world and the effects that it could potentially have on us and those around us so it can be good even in you for yourself to notice how you're interacting with people am I always coming on as the parent judging people telling them what to do with my husband or wife or with my kids or even with my friends or just people I don't even know Am I coming from a childlike place where I'm just emotionally reacting to things and feeling weak and because of that, I act in certain ways? Or am I actually acting as as an adult where I take in all the information and I respond to situations? I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to tell anyone I'm better than them. or I'm not trying to tell anyone to make me feel good and pull on them to make me feel good coming from that adult. And you'll probably recognize in most of your interactions that don't go well, you're not starting the conversation from your adult, or you're not staying in that place, in that position. You're either becoming the parent or the child, and that's creating huge conflict. Even as therapists, actually, it's an interesting thing, and he talks about in the book, sometimes therapists, or most of the time, come from a parent mindset. The person comes in as this weak, not okay child, and comes to the parent, this authority, to tell them they were bad or wrong, or also what they need to do to fix their lives. And many people expect this when they come to therapy, that I'm not okay, I come in and you tell me what to do to become okay, because you're okay. But therapy is not really supposed to work that way. It's not you go in and someone gives you directives, do this, don't do this, now you have to do that. There could be some guidance on some things you can do, but more it's about you figuring out your life and what you want to do. In exploring that with the therapist I'm okay you're okay and actually if the therapist comes from that mindset it would be good too I'm okay and you're okay are you maybe upset or sad or having some feelings or experiences you don't like possibly but that doesn't make you not okay and also I believe that you are the one that can help yourself not that I can fix you because I'm have this special power because I don't that we have to work together so very often, even when people want to help one another, they think they have to be a parent and tell you should and shouldn't, and you're bad because you did this or this is not okay, when that's not really what people need. They need more a genuine interaction that is adult to adult. I believe that you can you know, solve your own problems because you know yourself and your issues better than I do, but we, I can talk to you about it and help you in that process, but it's going to be coming from you. So this book is a classic for a reason because it has a lot of great information in it about uh, how we interact and understanding ourselves and also how we can get to this healthy position of I'm okay, you're okay, where we have that self-esteem and belief in ourself and also about the world around us and think how much more at peace we feel when we internally feel okay about ourselves and we feel that the world and the people around us are okay too so if you haven't read it i'd recommend to read this book it was my i think second or third time so if you've read it before read it again and tell me what you think that's i'm okay you're okay by thomas harris and the book for this week which i'll talk about on next wednesday's show is iron john a book about men by robert Bly. i hope you'll join me in reading that book now, after the break, I'll talk to some callers. If you'd like to call in three one zero You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dholakoui, studio number 3104410555. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air.
2: Hello, doctor. Hello. Thank you for your program.
1: Thank you for calling.
2: Uh, I have a question. My question is very general. I want to know when we want to make a decision for the career and job between two career and job. And um, what is the important is the money or interest? <laughs> um, because all the time I'm thinking that um, we should consider the money first and then the interest because the money uh, has a relate to the reality. And
1: uh, Wait, hold but hold on, but hold on, your interest doesn't have relationship to reality,
2: has a, a relationship to the reality, but. Uh, for the tools that uh, I want to provide right now and make okay. money, okay. is not, not possible. Maybe in the future, you know, after one year, that will possible. But right now, um, um, for example, I have a I have a I'm certified in one major, and I have a certification, but I don't have a, enough experience. But I can work because of my certification. I can work and i can make money but i don't
1: like it and i don't uh, interest well that's that's very important now the reason why it stopped you because um what you said was basically and it the answer of course is not going to be it's just one or the other Uh, of course money does make a difference and you need to be financially secure and stable and and all of that is important but of course your interest matters too. Because the way I almost heard your question was as if if someone said, well, I want to marry one of two people. One of them has a lot of money and the other person I love, but money is tangible. So I should choose money over the person that I think I would love, because that's not real. Because sometimes we have this idea that our emotions aren't real, or our emotions don't matter, which is definitely not the case. Our emotions very much are important and as i've talked about before when i was talking about emotional intelligence and even in the book today talking about coming from our adult we want to take the emotional and the rational and come to a decision with all of that information not just one or the other and not that one is better than the other but we want both um and so let's look at your your career options because if you ask me if you want to do a job and you think you really don't like it, you really have no interest, I would say that's going to lead to you being unhappy. There's no way around that. So I wouldn't want you to do a job that makes you you're very unhappy to be there. You don't like doing it. You don't feel like it's your passion or anything that gets you excited. That's going to leave you unhappy. So... It's not just about what interests you, because yes, if you said, in one job I can live comfortably, in the other one I won't be able to pay my rent, well, that's a problem. So what are the options that you have in front of you? Um,
2: um, actually, I need the money right now, but okay. it's not very necessary. But I'm thinking about the future, because um, in both job, I can uh, start my own business in the future. But uh, one of the jobs that I, I'm i very interested in, I have a lot of experience in that, mm-hmm. uh, but the other, I don't have a lot of experience, but has a lot of money.
1: Okay. What are those two jobs? Uh,
2: two jobs. Uh, is One of that the hairdressing that I'm certified,
1: okay. and
2: I can work outside, and the other is the baking and bakery.
1: Okay. Which one are you saying makes would make you more money
2: uh, the header thing
1: okay uh, and i don't know exactly why that would be for you but you're saying at least maybe initially it would make you more money than the baking
2: the baking i can make money but it's not like the header thing okay. uh, uh, but in the future and uh, that will be good because uh i will um open my own business in the future. And most of the people, they know that uh, right now I'm baking. I'm baking at home right now. And I have some customer, but it's not a lot. But um, most of the time, I'm talking to my husband. My husband says, you are certified in the hairdressing, and you can make a lot of money. But the baking has a more physically, and you don't make a lot of money. So uh, all the and right now I'm confused which one is the best for me that I can make a decision for that and uh, mm, uh, to grow my knowledge in that field mm-hmm. and for in the future to be successful and open my own business.
1: Okay, so either way you'd want to open your own business, either as in hair uh, or in baking, is that right? The
2: baking. Pay- Yes, I'm baking. I love to open no, I, a uh, yes. co- coffee
1: shop. Okay. All right. Um, it seems like that will be a harder path for you initially, but but it is important to, to to listen to what you'd want to do more than anything else. Now, financially, how is your family doing?
2: husband is working and I'm working also but I'm working as a Uh part-time but my husband he's good he can take care of
1: that okay and you have children
2: yes my daughter she's in university she's working
1: also okay so you don't have any children that you're taking care of as far as finances No, no. okay so it's just the two of you so if you're saying money is not such an an issue and also it seems like with the baking you potentially could make more money or start to make more money in the long term it it seems like you're not un, under a lot of pressure to to make money where i'd say we might have a pressure to initially make some money now i i don't i don't know i see it more that the baking seems like it's more like what you want to do uh
2: actually in the finance i i have a, um, uh, in the future we want to move the from the estate, so um, right now I'm thinking to make money for our moving, because we need a lot of money, uh, but, and, and our estate is very small, and I cannot open my own business, and I'm, I cannot be successful in the future. Mm-hmm. And then that is the reason uh, right now I'm thinking about the financial and the money.
1: Well, of course, and then also you have to think about if you you can't really start a bakery and then move, um, That that's obviously not going to really work unless it's close enough where you can still manage it somehow. So I'm, I'm sure that's another part of what you're thinking, that you can't really start your own business until you move. Yes. Okay, when are you guys planning to move? Next
2: year.
1: Next year, okay. Well, that could change things as far as what you want to do. You could prepare for you know the baking side of things. Um, now one i'm wondering you know your husband was telling you to do the hairdressing do you feel like in general you guys have a marriage where he listens to you you listen to him or is it more where he tells you what to do or how things should be
2: he's not listening just all the time You are talking together about everything
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then uh, he's not the. A- Forcing me that you should do that, and uh, He's
1: not forcing. Okay.
2: Idea. His idea is if you want to make uh, good money, and the hairdressing is better than the baking, because baking has a more physically you should stand and then um, the washing and cleaning something like that. But uh, and but most of the people right now, I'm saying that most of my friends. And they are, they are doing in the hairdressing room. They are making very, very good money.
1: Okay. Although, I mean, my understanding would be hairdressing physically, you have to be standing a lot too, right? I mean, you're, it's it's not so easy physically, right? Yes. It's not, so I'm saying, even though you're saying baking is a lot harder, I don't know if it, I'm not sure how different it is. So that, that makes a difference. You know, it, it's good that you're saying your husband, you feel like he doesn't put pressure on you or too much pressure on you. But really at the end of the day, it it should be coming from you what you'd like to do for your career and what you think would make you happy. Because I don't get the sense that financially it seems like you're under a lot of stress or pressure and making a little bit of extra money in the long run won't make you happy if you guys are financially secure. If you guys were not financially secure, we know that money can not that it buys happiness, but it can give us that comfort that allows us to feel okay. But if you guys are doing okay financially, I, I don't think I'd want you to, to do a job you don't feel excited about or you enjoy just because it might make more money than the other job. And the other job as a doing the baking, there is a potential you can make a lot more in the long run. Initially, you won't. But my guess is if you don't do the thing you want to do, you'll be upset later on in life and you might even be upset with your husband for pushing you that way.
2: Uh, about the financially I need the money I cannot say uh, that I don't need at all I need the money because I'm moving uh, but um, in the outside I was looking for the job for the about the baking most of the private bakery they need a, uh, they need a degree associate degree in the culinary school that mm-hmm. i don't have it but i have a lot of experience in the baking and cooking as a chef i mm-hmm. can say and um, but i don't i don't have a degree
1: just okay actually. well that that's going to be up to you if you want to go back to school to get that degree how long does that take one or two years two years two yes, years okay well no. i mean that's you know you know that's this is like a big question for you to ask and i would how old are you i didn't ask you but i am just wondering i'm
2: 47
1: 47 okay i mean so you have if you ask me you have the time to go back and then start because you could still do this for a long time and then if you have your own bakery or something like that you would then um you know you wouldn't necessarily be working all the time in the baking part of it you might be managing more of a business so it's a very different you know type of thing and I'm not a business consultant so I can't tell you what to do from the business side perspective and I don't want to tell you I know but I know that when people don't do something they like they're you're going to feel very unhappy doing it if you're saying you really don't like the hairdressing then even if you have the certification but you don't really like it to me it's not going to make you feel good and that's a big deal but if you if you really like the baking and you feel passionate about it then maybe you do have to go back to school if you need to get a certain job or if you want to start your own bakery that's a different thing but i can just tell you from the psychological perspective doing something you don't like can make you unhappy or definitely make you frustrated and disappointed in life and doing something you love and you're excited about can give your you a lot of uh give your life life, give you something to live for and be excited about. Especially with your, your kid out of the home, it seems like your focus is probably going to be more on yourself and your marriage and and, and your career. Uh,
2: yes, thank you. And uh, the other question is about the business. It is um, just, um, I want to know if uh, I want to uh, start, for example, I want to start my own business. How I can
3: make it
1: easy, how I can start it. Well, I was saying before, I'm not a a business consultant to tell you how to start a business, and I don't know. And to say, how do you start a business? Of course, there's probably a hundred things you have to do. And so I would say talk to people that have started businesses before, read about it, look into it, take it very seriously because it's not easy, and it's nothing I can even tell you in a minute or two of what to do. But you do want to make sure you prepare yourself the best that you can. It's obviously not going to be easy. There's a lot of challenges. You're going to face a lot of obstacles. Things are going smoothly, and then it doesn't work out. At the beginning of any business, you're not going to be making money or usually maybe losing money. And there's a lot of challenges you have to be, re- be ready for. But I would say talk to a lot of people that are in the business field or who have similar businesses to than you want to start and see what they do and what they've been through. You know, for me to tell you this is, how to start a business is not going to work. And even if someone tells you that, that I know and they're not in the business field, like if I told you the answer, I would hope you wouldn't actually want to know my answer that much because it's about starting a business, something that I'm not at all an expert in. So I don't know what to tell you, but just what I can tell you from what I I know in a very small way is that of course it's going to be very challenging and there's a lot of things you need to think about and take care of and prepare before you can start and it won't be easy. And, But if you really love what you want to do, then you'll go through those difficulties and challenges to get to your goal. And that's what you need to think about. What's your goal? Where do I want to end up? And then figuring out how to get there. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. Sure. Good luck to you. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. Thanks, you too. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right, we've reached our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Talaqui. back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, Fadi. Hi. How are you? Good, thank you.
0: Hey, I have a question. Um, I have a daughter who's 26, 26 and a half. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's she's dating a a guy just uh, same as her age. He's 26 as well. So they met in high school and he was... He's from India but he was born here. His parents are you know, they came from India, you know, about thirty or forty years ago. They're working here and uh, so um he went off to school and she went off my daughter went off to school and uh but they were talk you know, they were talking loosely like here and there and they, they met a few times. He um he dated a girl and my daughter dated a guy and so now they're they're kinda of back together or they are back together and they're talking about getting married.
1: Okay. Now did they date before in high school or?
0: Oh, they only they were I think they met at eleventh grade, so they met for for a little bit, not you know. Um but they have been dating for the past year now.
1: Okay. But I just was wondering, you said they got back together, so I was wondering if they were dating no, 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 early. It's, it's
0: what I'm trying to say they're in the same they, city they were now? far apart,
3: yeah,
0: he went to school somewhere else, and she went to school, so they were far apart, but they were talking kind of loosely, you know mm-hmm. and then my daughter dated a guy, and so is he uh dated you know a girl uh from India, okay, mm-hmm. and he finished his uh medical school last month while he was in medical school, he was dating a girl from India that was doing the same thing he was doing, so but after three years, it did not work, so um, and, you know, and my daughter was dating a guy from Iran, so that did not work either. So <laughs> okay. now these two, these two are, you know, now they're talking, they, you know, they want to they do, like, engage. And, you know, two years later, they want to get married. This is what the plan is. But it's so hard for us to come to the terms that accept the guy. Okay. Um, and we want to see, me and my husband or that want to see how we can accept him.
1: Okay, so what are in our family? Okay, so what are your when you say you can't accept him? What are you having issue with?
0: Um, the main issue is um, his his you know him brought, you know his parents from India and mm-hmm. he's got you know. He, his his grandma, I guess his grandma, grandpa, and all they live back home. And you know, he says maybe he's been to India once, but he says you know he wants to take my daughter there to meet the family, and you know, and it's kind of you know we're we're up in the air. We we don't know whether to say yes or no.
1: But I'm still so I'm not I'm not. It's I'm very not,
0: difficult for us to. And
1: okay, but I'm not getting the part you don't accept. You're saying I have a hard time accepting him. Well, that the sounds part that nice. The
0: don't accept is. That where he's from and where his family are from, we don't know what, how, um, if whether they're religious. First of all, the parents have not talked to us. We don't know what type of family he's got. Okay. We think that it's not a good sign if they haven't reached out to us to to talk to us at least acknowledge. Hey, your daughter is you know seeing my son and you know.
1: Have you reached out to his parents?
0: No, we haven't. Okay,
1: so it seems like they're doing the same thing. You guys yeah. were doing so. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they're doing something wrong if you've done the same thing.
0: And the mom asked that why her, like why my daughter, why 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 not another girl from from their country or you know pa- uh, cousins or mm-hmm. girls from back home. But it seems like you're doing, and that's what you're doing
1: too. It seems it's interesting. You, you and their... you're both doing the same thing. You're kind of saying she should probably marry an Iranian guy.
0: No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not particularly saying Iranian. Okay. I'm saying. If she married a guy an american guy we would we would accept that you know we would feel much better that she was born here you know she's mm-hmm. adapted to the culture she's adapted to um you know to us she's an american you know she's we don't look at her as being a Persian you know okay. um uh, but she you know she lived in our in our household, but the fact that the, his parents we don't know their what 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 they have for him. We don't know their expectations is from from their son and, the you know, my daughter. Um, and he's the only child. This is the only kid they have. So I don't know how much, whether they're controlling, how much they have to say about, you know, how to, you know, run your life or you know
1: okay. and her parents his parents are here right in the united states they
0: yeah yeah they okay. live in another state they um All right. you know they both work and they're you know yeah just, and
1: like, and so what have you done to better understand or try to get an understanding of these questions that you have
0: the fact that, um, first of all, he's he's still in his school. He he doesn't have much time to to come and visit. He only came to visit us once to get our permission and our like he put it like get your blessings, you mm-hmm. know. And um, he's uh, other than that, we just talked maybe twice or three times over the phone. And um, you know, and and the fact that parents haven't set out initiate a phone call or try to call us or. You know, at least to know who we are you know where did but, my daughter come okay. from is it, because, who, who is it because is
1: it because they they have the son and you have the daughter so they should call you
0: i'm not saying that i'm not i'm i'm saying that
1: but i'm still Honestly, not getting
0: no, we, okay. i'm still not
1: getting why you're not supposed to call them if you're telling me they should call you i'm i'm trying to understand he's why not, you shouldn't he's call he's
0: not welcoming us he's not he's afraid that okay if we're going to talk to them we're going to sour things which we're not we want to know who okay. they are and so how do you know that i'm sorry and
1: how do you know that that he's afraid you're going to sour things
0: i can i can hear him i can hear him he thinks that uh, he can hear us too that you know that we're not on the same term as he is we just want to know if my daughter marries this person mm-hmm. where is she going after this are they is she you know is she going more towards their culture or, you know, do whatever she's doing now? She's, she's you know, she's a free girl, you know. It's, yes. She was born here. She can do whatever she wants to.
1: So it's almost like you're afraid but, you're going to lose your daughter.
0: Uh, that too, that okay. too. And uh
1: and do, you have, you, do know, you have other children?
0: I have a, a girl, um, another daughter, 29-year-old. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Married or not married? No, neither one of them are Okay, Now, I mean, because it it almost like you said before, if the person was American, it's like they don't have a quote-unquote culture, so you wouldn't be worried to lose her. But because this person is Indian and has a different culture, you're afraid she might go more towards that, which could even be her choice. But it does seem like you're afraid to lose her. And if the boyfriend has this feeling of, I'm worried you're going to sour the relationship. I mean, clearly you guys are not accepting of the relationship, so it's not like his concern is completely out of thin air, if that's really something he feels, which was more from your interpretation, nothing he directly expressed as far as what I heard you say.
0: He, uh, you know, uh, in the past he offered, okay, if you want to talk to my mom, here's a phone number, okay? I said, well... Why don't, why don't they call us? Why don't they, um, you know, they initiate the call and call us? Because I don't want to be disturbing to, like, you know, here.
1: I'm I'm still not... I mean, but you hear that it doesn't really make... I'm having a hard time understanding why if you call them, it's disturbing. If they call you, it's not. Or that they're supposed to call you and you're not supposed to call them. I'm still not getting that.
0: Well, I guess my, my fear is, my whole fear is for, for my daughter because um, that... I don't want my daughter to be consumed in the culture. I don't he he's telling us he's not religious. He you know, he, okay. he's just as American as my daughter is, okay? Mm-hmm. But I mean, when I see Indians, the rituals, they, you know, like if most of the marriages are, you know, like arranged marriage,
3: I guess.
1: There, um, but that this is not an arranged. I mean, no. but that's just like if someone said I I saw people in iran doing you know some very extreme things that that you guys don't do and saying oh i'm worried my family's going to become like that you know like he could they could do the same thing say go on youtube and find persians in iran no, doing already, something he
3: already
0: admitted that he loves our culture he already admitted oh okay. i love persian culture do you have
1: an issue with him with the indian culture
0: the only issue is that i'm going to you know, he's going to convert my daughter to, you know, to, um, I'm not saying to Buddhism, no, because he's not really religious. It's just, he's going to say, okay, you can't, you can't see your your mom and dad, you can't do this, you can't do that, you know, just that's that's what we, you know, we're afraid of.
1: Are, and also, are you afraid that by calling his parents, you're almost giving your blessing?
0: No, I'm not afraid. I'm not okay. afraid. I'm just saying that they should have called us. They should have... Because they have seen my daughter.
1: You've seen the son. I'm, I'm still not getting that part where they you have to have them call you. Unless you're saying, again, maybe there's this... The traditional, because it's the the man coming for the woman, kind of like a uh, Hwastegari type of a thing, they need to call you.
0: No, he already came to hostagari. He came okay. himself. He as a... Yeah, okay. As a lone yeah, know, okay. person, he came.
1: But I'm still... But you, do you hear what I'm saying? That I'm not understanding why there's such an insistence that they haven't called us and I can't believe that, but you haven't called them even though you have the phone number?
0: I don't know. I haven't... They, his, their son has not given me a, a welcome, like, to, to, okay, it's okay to call my dad. He says, I'm afraid if you call them, you know, it's going to ruin things. But I don't have anything to... I just want to know them. I just want to know who they are. Okay. I just want to know, like...
1: How do you think that's going to happen?
0: Yeah, by calling them. Sure, of course. It seems like that. you're
1: not trying to get to know him very well or his parents well, but then keep using that as a reason that you're concerned about this marriage, you know, or this potential marriage. That oh, we don't know them. We don't, you know, we don't know what their intentions are. What is he going to do? What if he kidnaps my daughter, takes her to India? What if they make her Buddhist? What if they make her this? What if they make her that? But you're not really taking the effort to say, hey, let me let's see what's okay, actually say, going say on. Okay, say
0: if I did that. Say if okay. I did that, and and you know, my my thoughts and my fears are are wrong what 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 shouldn't i be worried about that anymore that
3: no. hey,
0: sh- she's marrying this guy with with that you know attachment that india well, I mean, could be another she, you know she's gonna get attached she's gonna, gonna get a- her or he, she's gonna go
1: well you're so you're worried they're they're gonna move to india
0: no no it's not that i'm not sure i don't think so but you. it know. doesn't
1: seem like this guy's never lived in india before it doesn't seem like he wants to it seems, uh, the fear seems fairly unfounded from what you've said so far. If you said they're talking about it, they're going there, you can say, oh, he dated that girl, but your daughter dated a guy from Iran from what you were saying. So, you know, what if they're afraid you're going to go there and not without my daughter, their their son or something, and take them over there and, and scare them. But I just, I feel like what you're saying, I don't feel like there's a lot there. There might be something about the culture. Maybe you don't want him to, her to marry an Indian. I don't know. Cause you did hesitate when I asked if you have any issue with the Indian culture. You might not want to acknowledge that on the air, but that's something free to think about. If that's something there that you don't want her to marry someone from a particular culture, I would hope you can let go of that prejudice um, because it would just get in the way of your relationship with your daughter, even, but of course, of their marriage as well. But what I'm saying is, you know, you're having all it's like if I said. Uh, you know, I'm worried about the weather tomorrow, if it's going to rain or not, but I won't even check the weather. Oh, so do I need to bring an umbrella or not? It might be cold. Gosh, what if it's cold? What would I do if it's cold and I don't know? Uh, rather than say, okay, let me check the weather. Oh, look, it's 30% chance of rain. I'll bring my umbrella. I'll bring a jacket. I'm going to be okay. But almost it seems like you don't want to face the reality because I don't want you don't want to accept this relationship as real, almost like legitimize it. What if my concerns aren't true and then I have to accept this marriage as okay? I think you want to not know so that you can hold on to saying, I don't like this and I have legitimate concerns rather than finding out what's going on. Let me get to know this guy. From what you said, he doesn't, I'm not worried about him going to India. If you're telling me he was born and raised here and seems like he wants to live here. And even if they did, they can move to India. If your, your daughter also wanted that. I mean, that's not something I would really put too much attention on, but They might move. She has to live her life. If she wants to move to a different country, not even India, she can move to another country with him or another part of the country that you currently live in. That's going to be up to them. And you know it's going to be her choice. But my guess is even in how you're talking about him to me, I'm sure with your daughter, you haven't had this very warm, accepting, loving um, communication about this guy. So they probably do hide him from you a little bit. And they're not coming to you guys. If you guys are more warm and accepting and rather than... Pushing them away, let them come to you. You'll know a lot more about this guy, and your daughter and their relationship. And may- maybe you, there are some concerns, and then you guys can talk about them. But as of now, you're you're coming from mostly ignorance, not knowing what's going on, and and judging the situation. That's why I feel like there's some judgment you have that you've already made your decision, and now you're just trying to confirm it. And I don't know exactly I guess what that is. my
0: question is, how much of a par- his parents have a role in this? You know say if we we don't even talk to them or not see him as long as they don't want to talk to us you know should i accept him should i i mean he's a really nice guy i mean i met him a couple times um very 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 uh smart guy very smart guy and uh but always in back of my head Okay, where did he come from? How was the parents? How was his childhood? How was this? How was that? So do you think we just leave the parents out and just just work with what we have with him and just well, as long as his conduct, as long as, long as his character is
1: what we, we like? Just... Well, I mean, of course, I mean, I think like, yes I mean, and no, but also the thing is, again... I haven't gotten this impression their parents don't want to talk to you guys or don't like you guys, which is almost like what you're making it sound. At the end of the day, yes, if you don't have a relationship with them, I think it's better for you guys to have some kind of connection and relationship with them. You don't have to be super close at all. You might not see each other regularly. That's how most families work, especially here in the United States. So that can be totally okay. But again, you're, you're judging it based on a lot of assumptions. What if they never want to see us or talk to us? What would we do then? Well, have you made any attempt to communicate or connect with them? So far, it seems like no. Um, If you told me I wanted to call them and they said never call us, okay, okay. well, let's talk about that issue. But that doesn't seem like what's going on. So if you want to get to know the parents better, then you might have to take the step forward, not say I'm going to wait here and see if they ever want to come towards us. Because, again, everything you told me you're doing, that you were in a way complaining about what they were doing, you've done yourself. Um, they haven't contacted us. Okay, well, you have their phone number. I just number.
0: want to make sure you know this is this is the right decision that my daughter's going through. I mean, well, they're both twenty six. They mm-hmm. both—he's always had his head in books, you know, and um, never been anywhere other than here, and it's going to school. And you know, he seems to be—you know—really. I mean, I'm not saying uh, he's nice. I mean, he's nice. I'm, spot, I'm not sure. So what don't you? I don't know if she she if.
1: What I'm no. trying to everything you know what you're saying is like I'm sure if he didn't read enough books that would be an issue too. He doesn't really study much. He's been around too much, but now it's that he reads too much. he's hasn't gone around too right, much.
0: Right? They haven't been exactly. They haven't been around each other too okay.
1: much. Okay. So that's would, that's important. They need to them, they yeah. need to get to know each other better. But you're not really. If you think okay, here's some concerns I have, and you can talk to your daughter. That's one thing. But the way you're approaching it is, I'm going to turn my back towards it and hope it, it, it becomes better, or just like not see what's going on. But go, you have to go towards it. Okay, I'm concerned. Although you're saying they've been together a year and they've known each other a long time. I'm not saying they should get married. I don't know if the relationship is right. But I'm telling you, you haven't shared anything with me that thinks that makes me think this is. I'm really concerned about the relationship. And of course, at the end of the day, your daughter is going to have to make the decision for herself because it is her life and her marriage to live. And if anything, you guys can just be part of that process with her. But it's not going to happen if you keep pushing them away and having so much judgment and non-acceptance of what's going on. She's not going to come to you. Even if she has issues with the relationship, I don't imagine her coming towards you because she knows where you stand, even if you're not so against it. But clearly, you've definitely shown you're not really for it. So even if, let's say, she has a concern about her relationship with him, she's not going to come to you now. And I've seen this in so many families. they more extreme than you, what you're saying. They'll just reject The relationship say, no way, we don't accept this person for you, we'll we'll disown you, whatever they say to try to threaten them to get them to do what they want. And then I see the person and they might even be unhappy in the relationship, but at every turn, they just defend the person in the relationship because they're getting attacked. But if you actually allow your daughter to come to you and have conversations, one, you'll get a lot of answers to these questions you're having which maybe will give you some reassurance 2 you'll have a better relationship with her and with this guy and what's going on and going forward. And three, you'll better understand what's going on for you. Cause I still feel like you have a judgment that you made that was initially made. And I think it could be the cultural thing and going forward, it was just trying to find confirmation of that. I mean, cause some of the things you're saying is like, they're going to almost like, it sounds like you think they're going to smuggle her to India or something, which I don't think is a concern for me. But it's just you're just not wanting this relationship to happen for some reason. And you don't want to even um, give it a chance and go forward because then you might have to accept something you don't want to accept or accept that you were wrong about it. And I don't think you want to do either of those things. You want to just say that it's wrong and be proven right. Even though it's your daughter's relationship that she seems very happy about. And everything you've talked about, this guy doesn't seem bad. He's kind, he's nice, he's 26 and graduating medical school. He studies a lot. He treats her well from what you said so far. I mean, I'm not sure there's much that's not okay. My guess is the culture is the biggest thing Exactly. That's just the culture. And I think it's more about the judgment than... Look, being matched on culture is important, but if they're both born here and you're saying you see her as an American and he was born here and he's much more American than he is Indian... Then they might match on culture much better than your daughter would with any guy that currently lives in Iran. They would be way, very different. So I'm not saying culture doesn't matter, but the match of culture isn't just is it Iranian-American, Iranian-American. It's how much they've acculturated to the United States, how they live their life, what's their values, their gender roles. All those types of things are very important. Okay, great. So g- good luck. I would say take those steps towards her and the relationship and his family. Uh, okay. And that, and then, fig- and then you'll get the answers to your questions. But I hope you keep in mind what I was saying. That I feel there's a judgment you've already made, and you're you're looking for that, and it's not actually allowing you to look at the information, look at the data in front of you, and you know get closer to her and them, and then you'll allow yourself to be involved in a positive way, and, and see what we can do from there.
0: Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling. Take good Appreciate care. Uh-huh. Bye bye.
1: All right, we've reached our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air.
3: Hello, uh, is Dr. Holakri. Yes, hi. Hi, Dr. Holakri. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Um, Dr. Holokli, uh I have a huge problem. Uh, I'm 71 year old, hmm. and I just accepted the guardianship of my nephew, uh, which is my brother's son, and uh, uh, my, my brother lives in uh, Iran. And he's a dentist, and um, a few years, I would say, 20 years ago, uh, he was coming here to visit the family, me, my mom, and my uh, two other sisters who live in uh, America. And um, uh, so visiting uh, us, um, he um, got to close to this, uh, one of my clients, uh, who is Chinese originally, and Chinese um and uh, she had uh, a previous marriage and had two daughters, and the daughters were taken away from her because she was abusive to this uh, to her kids, and uh, they were sent back to Taiwan to the uh, to her ex-husband. And my brother got uh, close to her, and uh, they dated. And uh, every year that he was visiting, he was visiting her and... So at one point he decided not to see her, and and went back to Iran, and she announced that she's pregnant, and uh, we tried everything to abort the baby, because um, um, my brother was not that much responsible. He is the uh, youngest in the family. We are three sisters and uh, one brother, and, and uh, so. He he, um, asked her to abort the child, and uh, she didn't. She was kind of using my brother in order to get married uh, uh, with this child.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So
3: the child was born, and um, the moment I saw this baby, I fell in love with this child. Mm -hmm. And um, he was, I would say, the love of my life. And uh, so... The mother used my brother uh, to get money or power, and she was very controlling, and um, she was abusive to this child, and we we would see this child um, once in a while, maybe three times a year when my brother was here, and she was very controlling. She didn't let the child uh, to come to the family, and uh, I witnessed. uh,
1: So just so I'm clear, Your brother stayed in Iran and she lived in the United States? Yes,
3: He was just visiting, yeah. Okay, and you don't have any
1: children... Do you have any children of your own?
3: Uh, I had two children of my own uh, at the age of six and seven. About 25 years ago, they were murdered by their father. They were killed. And the father committed suicide, my husband. I am so sorry to hear. That was the time I decided to... And get away from uh, my husband and uh, he was abusive you wow. know he was he was mentally sick and uh, wow. so when i went through the divorce <sighs> to take the child children away and he did this to
1: my I'm, children. I'm so sorry and, to yeah. hear that wow.
3: thank you thank you it was a hmm. long time and uh, so i went through therapy and uh, got over and became stronger And uh, I helped, uh, you know, um, people who lost loved ones, you know. And I was doing very good, um, you know, stable life, stable job. uh, And um, I brought my family, my mom, my sisters, uh, everybody to this country, and I helped them to settle down. And uh, so, uh, so, uh, with this mother who was abusive, I saw that, you know, how he, she, with my um, brother, you know, at one point, and um, I saw marks of uh, beating, you know, uh, mother um, beating the child, you know, at the age of three, four. Mm -hmm. She would tell me that, um, you know, I asked um, my friend who had a bamboo bamboo tree uh, for two sticks of bamboo. And I said, why? She said, "Um, when you put the two sticks together and you wet them, um, the child uh, would um, obey you, would understand. So she would do things like that to this child. And so four years ago, we found out that So she tried to keep the child away for five years. We didn't hear anything from this. Uh, the mother and the child and um, uh, so four years ago she called my brother and she said that uh, I want you to uh, release a paper for me, Uh, I'm dying, I have cancer and uh, I want the child uh, to be with, you know, um, one of my friends and uh, you're not responsible father so I want to give her uh, for adoption and I tried to get close. she wouldn't answer me. I tried to text her. I didn't know where she lived, so we found out that um the church was helping her she was this child was raised in a very poor environment days not eating anything mm-hmm. living on people's clothes and um moving i would say but thirteen years of his uh, um uh, you know life he moved. At least twenty times, uh, and um, so renting a room in a house or living in a garage, people's garage. So, so this happened. And last year, my brother was here, tried to contact, found, find them, and we go and situated in a better place. And mother was dying, and I would go there. She accepted me finally. Uh, that I, you know, she had lung cancer. I would massage her, and I would uh, be close to him, uh, to the child. I would bring him home for a few hours, so he remembered my house that she he always loved. So finally, mother, uh, mother resisted of uh, us, you know, removing the child because it was a very, very poor condition, and the child would. Um, you know suffer taking care mm. of the mother three four years he even learned how to give shot to the mother wow. and um, yeah so so very um, poor uh, you know the environment so finally with the help of the county uh, they came and they checked on the son uh, because he was missing the school they removed uh, the mother to the um, some place um, like hospital and i brought the child home and how was? So, how old I, was he? Uh, so at, at, uh, you, it was last year and he was 12 and now he's 13. Okay. So I am willing to take care of this child. My brother doesn't have that much role. He calls maybe once in a while. The child doesn't want to talk to the father because uh, whatever the mother said about the father. Well, and also, I mean,
1: and maybe she said a lot of things, like the way you're describing her, possibly, probably, but also he hasn't been very involved either as a father. No. So, I mean, we can understand, we would expect that this young boy be very angry, probably at both of his parents, but definitely at his father for not being there.
3: Yeah, but he says like, I love my mom, so uh, he cried when mother passed away, Mm -hmm. Uh, last day of uh, her death, we were there and uh, so how long ago was that uh, this was uh, november last year
1: okay so about six months ago or so okay yeah
3: six months ago mm-hmm. yes the chart it is adjusting to the new situation my home and my taking care of him but i have problem with him i took him to the the uh, psychologist mm-hmm. of course it's the county you know, students that they are graduating mm-hmm. and it didn't work she was not Mm, that's good, you know, she was asking me, what should I do, you know, and uh, so it was, so I, he, he didn't, at the last time that I was going to take him, he wouldn't get out of the car, and he said that I don't want to expose my life to someone that I don't know, and is not helping me, I've been through a psychologist, and through the church, and I asked the church, and yes, he uh, used to steal, Mm -hmm. Uh, from um, you know people you know person stuff money and they took him to see a psychologist um, so apparently didn't help him and so now i'm facing a child you know i don't mind at this age to raise him Mm -hmm. and to give him love and the support and everything but the, uh, the things that i'm facing it's out of my control and
1: I cannot handle it. I don't know what to do. Well, I'll tell you what, before, you know, we're going to be close to a commercial break and then I'm going to want to talk to you in the last segment about this. Um, Of course, what you yourself went through, I know you said you got over it, um, but murder, suicide of your then almost ex-husband and six and seven-year-old. I mean, that's just heartbreaking. I'm I'm still in shock of of that news. I I mean, I'm sure that still leaves an impact. I'm glad you've worked on yourself uh, to get... You know, I'd say no one ever fully gets over something like that, but they learn how they can live with it and continue their life. That's not something you can really get over, so to speak. But then this child, uh, in a different way, has been through an incredibly painful childhood, and he's still a child. And you even if you're adopting a child in the most perfect conditions and even early in life, we know it's going to be a struggle. But based on everything he's been through, You have to expect you're right he's going to have a lot of issues and things to work through and we have to expect that and he's going to need a lot of help and he's going to have to see a psychologist for sure and, and maybe get lots of therapy once he's maybe even more ready for it but you're and you're walking into a really really difficult situation and you have to be ready that if you're accepting this child essentially to be your child um it's going to be a long and challenging road ahead. And I think it's wonderful that you're willing to take on that challenge and to take this this boy in. He deserves so much love and so much goodness because of everything he's been through. Um, but you have to be ready that it's going to be very, very challenging. And it's not going to be I easy whatsoever. I, th- I know you get that, but how about after the break, let's talk a little bit more about what's Sugar. going on. Okay, thank you for calling. Just hold on. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Talaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go back to the caller we were with before the commercial break.
3: Doctor said, "Let yes. me uh, say something." Okay. Um, this child, there is no way that he would see a psychologist. Okay. I cannot drag
1: him. Of course so not. Never. We can me, never do that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, he told uh, he told me that uh, you study psychology and you can help me if hmm. there is any problem. And so why don't we? talk to each other and you try to help me it's hard for me because the things that i'm facing Uh, it's kind of um, hard for me extremely this child is intelligent Mm -hmm. extremely it's not what i'm saying it's what people are telling me Mm -hmm. so for instance i took him to the Farsi class and he wants to know what we are talking about, me, hmm. family, about him, and with friends. So he took the Farsi class. After six months in the Farsi class, the teacher is calling me and telling me, is it okay we pay him to teach other kids that they have been in the class wow. for four years? Mm-hmm. Yes. So he writes and he reads C after six months and his handwriting is amazing. Mm -hmm. When I read him Rumi, he translates him into uh, English for
1: me, and it's a best. I'm I'm sure he's intelligent. Now, you know, even when I hear that one, I hear his intelligence, I also wonder if there's a desire to connect to his father through the Farsi, which is something that's important to talk about. But I do want to first, when I talk about the therapy, We can never force anyone to go to therapy, and oftentimes people, they have to be ready. Maybe it's still too soon after his mother's death and he's not ready. We have to give him that space. But of course, at the same time, as supportive as you want to be, you're not going to be enough for him to to fully heal everything he's been through. But for the time being, if he's willing to talk to you, you do that, but let him know, I want to help you, I care for you, I'm going to do everything I can, but I hope at some point... You do want to talk to someone because you deserve that. And I hope he will do that at some point. But coming back to what I just said, he definitely feels abandoned by both mom and dad. Mom, of course, through the illness, but dad never was there. Why why is dad so absent in his life?
3: Because he was the baby of the family. We always took care of, not me, but... Uh, my mom, he was so dependent on mom and my older sister, and still, uh, he is like a child.
1: Okay. Well, so he's but, dis- not he very, he's irresponsible.
3: He doesn't, he is not responsible for his own life. You know, he yeah. is not. And he loses too much. Mm-hmm. He loses, like, money, the father's, you know, inheritance, and he doesn't know what he's doing. He is not, you know, he is... Uh, it's like I give up with the father. Okay. I give up. He sometimes he likes to help financially. I am retired and limited with my finance, and I cannot pay like three hundred dollar an hour to take him to see the psychologist. Mm-hmm. So I did my best to take him, you know, to the county, whatever was was available for uh, free for him, and that is yeah my. But my brother is uh, trying to come, uh, you know, this summer to take him to Iran. And hopefully he will go because he says, I won't go without you. He is so much depending on me. I am his best friend. I am everything that he has. He is so attached to me.
1: Well, we can understand that he's been abandoned by so much that he's attaching to you. And maybe you've been... It seems like you're probably much more stable than any either his parents yes. were to him. So he has yes. that. Although we don't want to just have him dependent on you, we want him to have other people in his life. How is he doing socially? Exactly,
3: he is not known. No, no social.
1: Well, that's a big problem.
3: Does, yes, that is a big problem. He doesn't want to play uh, any uh, social, you know, activity. He mm. doesn't like to play basketball. He doesn't want to. He likes swimming, but and you know it should be uh, he has ocd it should be a very clean swimming pool he doesn't like the ocean i took him to puerto vallarta he went to the ocean he loved it but the sand it's dirty Mm -hmm. so yeah um he uh, he bites his nail uh,
1: so he has a lot of anxiety which of course ocd has to deal with that and even i mean the chaos he lived in his life of course OCD has a big genetic component too but with yeah. all that chaos he wanted to have control probably over anything he could control and that could have contributed yeah, to the I development know. of OCD Yes. you know I you're know. dealing with a child who's been through yes. so much and I know you yes. know that and you have to just expect it's going to be challenging the whole mm. way through and you have to I keep working if with I him say, yes Yes.
3: sometimes I feel like I want to give up I cannot do it and who's going to take care of this boy uh, uh, send him to foster care I cannot do that and now you know so the first time I saw him last year he said I don't know what who I am mm-hmm. I don't know if I get married then I found out that I like men boys then what do I do mm-hmm. I cannot abandon my wife so he is um, doing strange things you know he touches my lipstick he wants to put makeup on and he is worried about his growing beard and uh, what do I do to get rid of my moustache. So I know that he's
1: gay. That's okay. another thing. Is well, adding. and it might not just be gay. Maybe he, he might be identifying more as female than male. But I'm also, as you said, I don't know myself. I can understand he's very confused about a lot of things. Yes. His identity, he never had a male figure in his life. He probably hates his dad and so that can also make him hate the male part of himself and he wants to be female so there's there's a lot going on so i wouldn't jump to i would be very open if he tells you something of course make him feel comfortable if he he thinks he's gay that's okay if he thinks he's a woman that's okay whatever you know making him feel okay about whatever he's thinking or feeling but also recognize that he's probably very confused about his identity and so we want to give him the space to explore that and not understand he seems And that's great. He seems incredibly anxious, which we would expect um, based on everything he's been through. It's not surprising. Now, coming back to what you were saying about you you sometimes almost feel like giving up, like you can't handle it. What's going on for you? I I can understand it's very stressful and difficult, but what are you going through that gets you to that point?
3: Yeah, I um, am, you know, it makes me nervous. I cannot focus. I cannot, uh, I forget things and because all the time and thinking about him and i want to do the best for him i'm losing myself
1: okay now yeah another thing that could be happening or it's let's say contributing is because you lost your own children at, that they were so young there's going to yes. be some issues although i know you said you worked on it i wouldn't be surprised if there's still some unresolved issues about having a kid and some things about your own children you might project onto him making it even more challenging.
3: Yes, yes, I'm doing the same, yes. Actually, I took him, uh, I found out, you know, I was uh, searching when I brought him home, Uh, Beaches school is the best in my uh, area, Mm -hmm. and I found out the same school that I used to take my kids, Mm. oh, I'm taking him to the same school. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know... And to me, I am doing my best, and I'm everybody sure. is telling me you are the best mother for him. Mm. Um, uh, from food, his room, and, uh, spending time with him, to give him love, and taking him to places that he likes. I am uh, using too much of my energy in order to continue what I didn't do for my kids, mm. I am doing for this child. Even he told me, huh, you're taking me to the same at school and you're continuing the same thing that you wanted to do for your kids, mm. you're doing wow. it for me.
1: Isn't he was able to, he recognized that himself.
3: Isn't that good that you, you you should be happy to do, you know, to continue. He said Uh, that. I'm so happy that you are uh, having uh, finally me and doing what you wanted to do for your children. You're doing it for me.
1: Well, that I think there 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 is an interesting way that you guys, your wounds almost can complement each other. You know, you had missing children in your life; he had missing parents in his life. And so in a way, you guys can fill that role, but it doesn't mean it's just an an easy thing. And we have to be careful, of course, even more from your end as the adult to take care of the situation for him and make sure you're not in, I don't want to say using, that sounds bad, but projecting too much of your own past onto him. Look, what you're going through is very noble that you're taking on this young boy who's been through so much, but... We have you have to accept that it's going to be difficult and also that you're going to need help. You can't do it all by yourself, whether it's your own friends or other family have to help you out. There, there really is no way for you to take all of this on by yourself. And if you do that, you might burn out and then you won't be able to do it and you might just give up. And obviously we don't want that. So you have to make sure you're taken care of. I mean, he's going to have a lot of he has anxiety already. He probably already has a lot of anger, but maybe he'll show it more. He's going to have, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be, re, it already is, but I it's going to get even I harder. Know. And yeah. you have to be ready for that. I, I really admire and appreciate what you're doing. My heart breaks for you and also for this young boy who are going through all of this. But I really would hope you get even more support. Uh, you know, maybe he doesn't go to a therapist now, but at some point he will. But also friends and family who can help you. And also getting him engaged because as dependent as he is on you and it's good that he has you, that's obviously not good either for him to be dependent on you. He has to make friends and connect. I don't think he ever had that opportunity as a child. And so he just prefers maybe being alone. But you have to try to keep finding activities that he might enjoy that get him a little bit out there. And involved with other people because he needs to interact and and start to build relationships we can understand that for him relationships are very scary and risky Uh, he's had such so much pain that I think he almost chooses to be alone than to be around people because that's safer for him so it's what you're going through is incredibly difficult incredibly difficult i hope you even go to your own therapy i know you have but maybe you might have to go through your own to deal with this
3: i'm going yes i'm gonna go because i have insurance and i can see a therapist but i feel like doctor i'm thinking you know i'm 71 and by the age of 80 I, I I don't know if I can even physically handle this child. Get up yeah. six o'clock in the morning, pack his lunch, and mm. because he's depending so much on me, I have to get up uh, before him. And he wants to see, uh, you know, me around, going to school, and uh, all of those. Uh, physically, I'm not sure if I can handle. Yeah, it I can off. understand.
1: That's why I'm saying. I think you know we have like a minute or two left, so I'm going to try to wrap it up. I wish I could talk to you even more, but you know. And that that's true makes sense. The good news is I mean of course the older he gets the better he'll take care of himself to some degree. I'm hoping for that. It's going to happen, hoping. but of course, you know, he's also right now, you know, his mother passed away 6 months ago. So he he's yes. in a and everything else he's been through. So he's still healing from that and he's going to be healing for a while, but he's still in in so much pain that you're going to see a different child now than you'll see later but for that pain to get worked through is going to be very difficult it's going to be a painful process but that's why I was saying you do need other people to help you because it's going to be too much you're going to burn out we we don't want you to get to the point where you give up and if you give up on him i mean of course with all the abandonment he's been through that's just going to be another in this series of abandonments that he's going to confirm that everyone leaves me, everyone hurts me. So you have to take even better care of yourself and create a good support system to help him and just be ready for lots and lots of challenges ahead, which I know you are aware of. And it's not going to be easy, and it's not easy for him. And I wish you so much luck in this and really, again, appreciate what you're doing for him. And I'm heartbroken for what you had to experience yourself I think you said 25 years ago that that's tragic but what you're doing now is an incredible gift you're giving to him um but it doesn't mean it's easy and i hope you can get the support and help you need but i do really appreciate you calling if you ever want to call back please do i, I would love to hear how things are going
3: sure thank you dr Perry.
1: thank you thank so you much for calling. Have a wonderful day take okay. care
3: you. okay bye-bye
1: thank you bye 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 uh I feel very lucky to get to do this show, talk to people. Of course, it's heartbreaking, but um, I'm so inspired by what people have had to go through and overcome and what they do, and that was definitely one of those cases. So, Thank you so much for calling. I really do hope you call back and give us an update on how things are going for yourself and that young boy. We've reached the end of today's show. Thank you to all the callers and the listeners and to Edris here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalaqui. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.